Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Campionato di calcio italiano. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. I'm your host, Connor Clancy. New format-ish this season. Same unfortunate guests. Vito Doria is the one person I'm not disappointed to see. Vito, hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Connor. I'm glad to be back for another season, and it has been a fantastic round to open the 2021-22 Serie A season. So I'm looking forward to discussing it with everyone on the pod. It's been a little bit wild, hasn't it? I think the only normal game was the last game of the round, unfortunately. I'm speaking of people who aren't exactly normal and things that aren't exactly normal. Kev Pogzelski, hello. How are you? It's good to see you again. I'm good. I've got such a bad reputation, it would it would seem. But, a deserved uh, reputation, I would argue. Well, you've met me in the flesh more than uh, listeners. Um, but yeah, I saw the result tonight and felt that it had more of a early season game that are usually quite uh, lacklustre while teams are still finding their feet. But uh, yeah, I covered uh, covered the Courtless stuff earlier in the week and it's nice to see uh, UK broadcasters giving Sierra a bit more coverage now with an actual kind of pre-game show and not just picking games up uh, midway through feeds or at 5.15 when the UK uh, sporting blackout ends and stuff. So yeah, looking forward to this season. It should be good and a bit more watchable in the UK. And what a season for them to pick it up as well. I mean, we've lost a couple of stars in the summer, but it looks like the title race in, in Serie A is going to be fascinating. So um, audiences in, in the UK and in Ireland as well are, are going to be in for a treat if, if they fancy tuning into Serie A. Also joining us is someone that I speak to quite regularly. You guys don't speak to too regularly, but the listeners will be familiar with his voice. It's Ewan Burns. Ewan, I think this is your first time on the pod proper. Welcome. How are you? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm good. just been basking all weekend in red cards and own goals and top corner goals and just lots more football. 
Yeah, all the football, all the cards, all the drama. It's great. Italian <laughs> football is well and truly back. Before we start talking about all of the football, I do just want to tell our listeners, maybe you don't follow us on social media, so you're not aware. We are now on Patreon and we will be on Patreon for the rest of the season. We have a two euro tier, a five euro tier. And if you're feeling really generous, a 10 euro tier as well. If you sign up to the five euro tier, you will get bonus podcasts weekly we hope at least once every two weeks and there will be other content going out there on a weekly basis as well such as a Serie A newsletter um two euro patrons will get the weekly newsletter but they'll get one of those a month to to try to get you a little bit of a taste of what we're offering so please 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 head to head to patreon.com slash forza italian football and sign up to become one of our patrons anyway Let's start talking about the football. Kev, we'll start with you. We'll start with the champions. Inter beat Genoa 4-0. They've really hit the ground running. So the narrative on Twitter is what I'm going to put to you. All of the preseason worries, they were just completely exaggerated. Yeah, they were probably a little exaggerated. And I mentioned this on our preview show that I wanted to keep Inter in the top four. I may have tipped them to retain their title, but... There was so much uncertainty around what the side are gonna were gonna look like because it, it felt like they were having a bit of a a files sale after Lukaku went because we were led to believe at the back end of last season really that they only had to sell one of their major assets to kind of keep their uh, you know hierarchy or the owners the owners happy. Um, but you know the reality is that they've got the nucleus of the side that's not just won the title last year, but that were very good under Conte the year before that and reached the Europa League final. They brought in a coach, which again, bringing in a new coach was one of the reasons why I didn't tip them for the title. But they have gone for somebody that played a very similar uh, formation with uh, Inzaghi's Lazio side. Um, so, so the fact that they've kept the majority of that spine of the team, you know, with the, the midfield and even with Lukaku going, it looks like they've brought in at least a focal point in attack because Jekyll had an excellent game against Genoa. Um, and I think some of the some of the concerns that probably swept around the fan base can be exaggerated just because of the kind of social media presence that we've got in, you know, in the current age where, you know, they're, they're sometimes the louder voices and the ones that are probably mm. going every week and, Closer to closer to what's happening at the heartbeat of the club, and thinking, you know, if we can get through the the summer transfer window, just losing Lukaku and Hakimi from the sort of the the main players, and obviously Denzel Dumfries, although he didn't didn't start, is an excellent addition personally. I think for Hakimi, I think I think I think that might be okay. So yeah, it was a little bit exaggerated, um, but there were. There were legitimate reasons to, to have those concerns. As much as the, the preseason concerns might have been exaggerated, I think the, the reaction to those concerns was absolutely exaggerated because, Vito, I hate to be that guy, but I think you're the guy to go to with this. It was only Genoa, right? Well, I think that's the thing. Uh, Genoa, obviously on paper in terms of personnel, they have a, a weak squad. And, uh, well, the way the, they were organised, I think despite what they try to put up, they just lack the quality to really push a challenge. 
Ballardini started with a youngster called Yaya Calon up front, and he had about three chances to score. I think someone with either more experience or just better finishing quality would have buried those chances and might have put a bit more fear into the Nerazzurri. As as was the case, though, um, Inter could only beat what was in front of them, and uh, as poor as Genoa were, Inter played with great fluency, great confidence, and as Kev pointed out before, they have Inzaghi, who's pretty much maintained the formation used on the Conte. The main differences would be the philosophy and the mentality that the team has now. Uh, now there's not as much intensity. It's not sort of this big adrenaline rush on the Conte or you've got to play at a high intensity for the full 90 minutes. The players can be more relaxed, more composed, as well as being more technical in their play. So mm. perhaps against strong opposition, we might see how this fluency holds up if they are still able to have more creative freedom. But uh, concerning who they played, uh, they still did well enough and there were some impressive aspects to the game despite uh, the Griffone being as poor as they were. Congratulations, Vito. It's the first chance you've had to talk about Genoa and bash them on the pod this season and you were... You remained level-headed and professional. I, I applaud you for it. But it's it's funny that you mentioned Yaya Kalon because Carlo Garganese on, on Twitter was was talking about his story and what a remarkable story it is. The guy is, what, 20 years old. He moved to Italy when he was 14 from, from Sierra Leone and it took him eight months to get to Italy. And, and for part of that trip, he was he was in basically the, the boot of a car with with four other people and they were only able to breathe out of a, a tiny little hole in the car. And... He didn't play football before he got to Italy as a 14-year-old. Now he's 20 and he's playing in Serie A. It's a remarkable story. And it, there there does seem to be quite a lot of excitement around him. Back to Inter, though, Ewan. Kev mentioned Edin Dzeko, who, who personally I think is a massive downgrade on what they had before in Romelu Lukaku. But I've got to take my hat off and say Dzeko did quite well against Genoa. Was Was his performance a little bit of a surprise to you? Um, I think it, it wasn't, it wasn't. It was, you are right that he's a downgrade, but I think they could have done a lot worse. Um, Lukaku, is, Lukaku is irreplaceable. You know, he, he left he left United as a very good player who had lost his way a bit, and he's now left Inter as a genuinely world-class striker, and that's completely not up for debate anymore. He's cemented himself as that. Um, so you, you can't... They were never going to be able to replace him, so they've had to change tack slightly, and they're trying to sign two or three people to rotate with Lautaro and try and replace him. And I think Dzeko is a very good option in that sense because, like we saw in that game, he was almost as good a focal point as you can hope for. The way he linked up with um, Chalinolu was you know, incredible um, and it completely, generally just could not handle that at all. Um, but, you know, while he's a very fit 35-year-old, he's a 35-year-old and, you know, he will have to as we saw in that game, he will have to disappear at times in games for 10, 15 minutes to you know, recharge before he can really properly join in again. And again, it was Genoa where he could go, he could disappear for 10, 15 minutes while they're 3-0 up or whatever to you know refill his lungs and everything. Whereas Lukaku doesn't do that. Lukaku is at the opposition for a full 90 minutes and he does not give anyone a moment's peace. But they could have done a hell of a lot worse than Ed and Jacko, I think. Well, they are being linked now with with Andrea Bellotti, 
is the latest. Ewan, is, is that someone that you think could come in and do a decent job at Inter? I mean, he, he fits that description, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he's better than the other names that they've been linked with. Uh, Joaquin Correa seemed to be the top dog now for who they're going to sign, but he costs slightly more than Bellotti. And I'm not convinced that he would do as an effective a job as um, Bellotti would. It would also be, I think, a massive release of energy for everyone to finally see Bellotti actually move rather than just staying at Torino year in, year out. Yeah, it's unfortunate because Torino do look like they might be better this season with Juric in charge, but Bellotti is, is so far above their level. Guys, we've all got to talk about someone now because Akan Chalonoglu was superb. Within 15 minutes, he had a goal and an assist to his name. The first time someone has done that on their Serie A club debut since Zlatan Ibrahimovic in 2006. Or their Inter debut, rather, since 2006. Uh, but then Edin Dzeko went and did the same thing in the same game. So it cheapened it just a little bit. But Kev, I'll start with you and then the others you can jump in as you please. Akan Chalonoglu, just how much of an impact can he make for Inter this season? Well, with the, you know, if you take into account that the majority of games they will probably dominate, they will create uh, fouls, they'll create uh, set pieces from corners. That's, I think, where they'll be able to they'll be able to see the benefit um, from him. You saw with the first goal how strong they are from some of the set pieces, and his delivery is excellent. He does go sort of quiet in certain games, a bit like you and said Jeko does, although it's not due to his age. I think sometimes he just he, he has poor games where, from if you like an open play perspective, he did in, did in Milan. And they've obviously got a gap to fill with how well Ericsson was performing before the unfortunate events during the, the European Championships. And I also think that he won't, uh, sorry, Inzaghi won't necessarily get the same kind of thing that he was getting from Luis Alberto in a similar sort of position at Lazio. Um, where there was, you know, more of the play went through him, but you know he can always step up with a long range effort from open play. But I think where they will see the benefit is just his, you know, his delivery from from set pieces at times. Um, but you know, but what a start! And I think probably more focused because he's come directly from Milan um, and chose to walk out on their uh, crosstown rivals. He played with a swagger and a confidence that I hadn't seen in such in some time from him, but uh, his way with uh, linking up with teammates, making precise passes, I can't really recall many performances during his AC Milan days where he played with that uh, sort of effectiveness as well as that flair as well. He was able to, you know, make his passing targets succeed and also to get into the scoring positions like he did he showed that uh, there is someone who can adapt to Italian football and make an impact. Um, we can uh, criticise the opponents he faced, but uh, um, if he can produce more consistent performances under Simone Inzaghi, then he can be a very dangerous player for the Nerazzurri. It's all because of his teammates, Vito. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Chalonglu has, has already riled the Milan fans. Kev, you're nodding, so I'll throw it to you. He came out after the game and said, it's easy to play with teammates who have quality because understanding their movement is easier. Is that a dig at Ibrahimovic or are we wanting it to be something that's aimed at Milan and therefore seeing it as such? I think it's one of those uh, sort of footballing cliches 
where you, you know you don't want to seem you know you don't want to big yourself up too much you say oh it's all about the quality around me really but I think because he's come from Milan we see it as a bit of a you know dig because we can take that we can take that sort of that view and, and use it to our advantage mm-hmm. well, I think he's a player who with with quotes like that he seems to thrive off animosity you know he's a bit of a shit house, isn't he so the, the the fact that he's moved from from yeah. the club he has to the club he has and then obviously the celebration in front of the cover and everything it just seems like he's going to at least for a short period of time he's going to really fly because he, he's just got a lot of people he wants to piss off it's almost like he got a bit bored at Milan he thought you know I've, I've pleased these people enough I'm going to go and piss them off now instead yeah it, it does seem like that Milan fans will be screaming he's inconsistent which he did prove himself to be at Milan so it remains to be seen but I, I do think it's worth saying that Simone Inzaghi, and he will do this, but he spoke very highly of him after the game. He said that every time I face Gianoglu as an opponent, he created problems for me. Not even he knows how good he is. That part intrigued me because I think Inzaghi might just be the man to get the very best out of Gianoglu. Anyway, we'll move on to part two now in a moment and we will talk about Juventus and Cristiano's in crisis again. Okay, so Juventus, for the first time in a decade, they're starting the season without being the Serie A champions. And it looked like it was going to be smooth sailing early on, Vito. They went 2-0 up away to Udinese. Udinese having lost their two best players in the summer, and they looked rubbish. But Juventus went on to implode, I suppose you could say, and they dropped two points, having had a two-goal lead. And it's not the start to life under Allegri that we would have expected. No, not at all. But uh, we've seen before that uh, even with the poor start to the season, the Bianconeri have been able to bounce back under Allegri. Despite this, based on uh, what Juventus showed against Udinese, they still have some cracks that need to be filled. Uh, Allegri is the type of manager that can address those uh, weaknesses or flaws in the Juventus squad. And uh, I felt that... What Juve showed, I reckon a lot of the good attacking play was more because of the individual brilliance of Paolo Dybala than any fantastic collective work on La Vecchia Signora's part. Probably the, some of the possession I thought was pretty simple and effective passing, but nothing really indecisive or dangerous. And aside from Dybala, you had Quadrado, especially with the second goal, he looked... Uh, dangerous and Kulusevsky when he came on he showed some flashes so um, this Juve is definitely a working progress and also with uh, with Locatelli just arriving from Sassuolo it'd be intriguing to see how he fits in and uh, what he can do to help improve the midfield yeah it's funny because I, d- I do think their midfield needs a little bit more too but I'm not sure if Locatelli and Pjanic are the the type of midfielder that the midfield is, is necessarily missing. Locatelli is obviously a, a class act and he will bring a lot, but I think maybe something a little bit different might have been better served there. Ewan, Juve didn't win this game basically because of Szczesny, right? He had a disaster. He conceded the penalty from which he was a... Who scored the first? Pereira scored the first. And then he just gifted the ball to, to Okaka by trying to dribble around a wall of a man. And then De Lofeo just had a, a tap into an, an easy enough goal. And 
expectedly, there's been quite a lot of reaction online. Is is some of it a little bit knee jerk, calling for Szczesny to be replaced, or or is there a point there? Uh, I think it's a bit knee jerk in the sense that I'm always wary of calling out goalkeepers too much for errors like the second one, where that's sort of a freak thing where you know when a midfielder passes the ball out of play to absolutely no one. It's, it's a very similar mistake. It's just not punished by a goal. To be honest, the first one, I think, is a bit more worrying in terms of your goalkeeper starts doing that because that's a that's that, that that's more of a sort of proper goalkeeping error in the sense that it's it's part of what you're taught as a youngster. You know, you don't you don't specifically get told don't pass the ball to the opposition in the box when you're younger because that's sort of obvious. That's just a bit of a cock up. But parrying it out to people and wiping them out in the box and stuff that that. <laughs> almost seems like you're losing your skills a bit. But in terms of replacing him, I mean, I'm not sure who they buy now. Kalor Navas has been talked about, but that's a very expensive short-term fix that I'm not convinced they're going to go for. So I really don't see them getting rid of him or bringing anyone in. They might have to rotate a lot more than they expected to. Kev, I'm going to go to you for the next question, but before I do, do you want the chance to defend... uh... Szczesny, given his given his nationality, or are you happy that we just move on? No, well, no, I did see. I saw somebody put online. Uh, he's not even fit to start through Nazi, and I think it is a bit knee jerk because he's he's of a he's of a level. He is certainly of a, a Champions League level. Um, the fact that he's made two errors in one game and Juventus coming off the back of a, a year when they've not um, retained the title. Um, obviously, Matia Perrin's gone back there. From Genoa, so there's a a backup of I, I want to call it sufficient quality, but maybe a run down on the quality ladder that they they might look to. But certainly, as Ewan says, I can't. There's not a lot out there that you would think they would buy after they missed the obvious um, option, which was to try and prize Donnarumma out of the hands of PSG as he was heading to Paris. Focus on a positive, Kev Paladibala. He, he was excellent with, with Allegri back and possibly Cristiano out of his way. He's got a goal and an assist to his name and he looked really, really impressive as Vito kind of alluded to earlier. Is this the season that Dybala gets back to his best and is he already something of a shoe-in for the, the Serie A team of the season come May? I think it's he's certainly um, looking likely to be Juventus's most valuable player. I think partly, not necessarily that Ronaldo gets in his way, but I think the longer Ronaldo stays with Juventus, I think more people have become aware that you know you can't build your side around a Ronaldo in you know his late thirties because he's not as mobile or dynamic as maybe he was in his sort of peak Real Madrid years. Are you going to tell you know, him that? Oh well, I'm sure he knows it. You know, I'm sure he he doesn't look look it on the pitch sometimes. But I'm sure when he's getting up in the morning after the game, he's realizing that he's not he's not how he was when he was in his in his mid twenties. You look at the numbers, and before he came, Dybala had contributed 22 goals in 33 Serie A games. Went on a complete kind of nosedive from those sort of numbers. Allegri left the year after, and so it was a. I think it was probably a contribution of Ronaldo coming in and almost being played at times when maybe he could have been rested and given other minutes or maybe not being given such a prominent role and then other coaches coming in and coming into relatively big jobs when you think Sari came in obviously after having success at Chelsea 
but he came in almost and was not necessarily a, you know, the obvious choice for Juve. Then Pirlo comes in and he's kind of doing a bit of a firefighting job coming at the last minute. Um, so, so this year with Allegri maybe back at the back at the helm at Juventus, he will now focus more on the younger model uh, that certainly offers something very different to to what Cristiano Ronaldo does. And 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 Dybala looks like he relishes step, stepping up, which is what he was doing in that last year before Ronaldo arrived. Really. Uh, you know all those all those goals and assists that he contributed in that sort of a uh, seventeen eighteen season showed that he was grown as a player and it has stunted his his growth I think within the Juventus setup and so hopefully he does um, these are the sort of first signs that he's gonna he's gonna get that back. I do want to to have a little bit of a laugh at Cristiano's expense because it was funny. I don't care what anyone says, it was funny. Obviously. It was a big day for him. He started on the bench, apparently, on his own request because he's still trying to leave the club this summer. Um, then he came off the bench, scored what he thought was a, a 93rd, 94th minute winner for the second season in a row in, in Udine, by the way. Celebrated, got booked for taking his shirt off and doing his usual stuff, his big jump and his shouting at the crowd with them shouting back at him. Um I thought it was ruled out for offside, and he he just sat on the ground with a with a little sulk. You and I realize you might not be the, the the best guy to come to for this, but it was funny, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was going to say I, I have to always add the caveat when it's about Ronaldo that I'm a United fan, and therefore I will not dig him out to the extent everybody else will. But that was quite funny, um, just more because it was Juve rather than because it was Ronaldo. <laughs> but like it was it was a, a it was a brilliant header, and you know in terms of the the, the vigor of the celebration. I can understand it in the context of the game, but after what went on before, you'd almost think you'd maybe tone it down a little bit. If you really do want to leave, you probably wouldn't go quite as mad when you score that goal, whether he was just going mad because it was his goal, not the team's goal sort of thing. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about Juve though, Ewan. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not about Juve. He's celebrating because he's scored. It doesn't matter what I, I think. I think even if you've got the physique of Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, taking your shirt off when you, well, in in the age of VAR, <laughs> when he was so close, you know, it wasn't as if he had to run like ten yards for on goal and then just sort of pop in the winner. It was, it, it was clearly gonna be a narrow call. While we're on the um, while we're on the taking off the shirt theme, there was something I spotted at the end of uh, Samp Milan tonight, which I don't know if anybody else saw it on their coverage, which was Ibrahim Diaz. He went over to throw his shirt into the Milan fans and then realised that at the, um, oh, at the Luigi Ferraris, there's the cage and there's also the netting above <laughs> yeah. the top. So he was going, oh, oh no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so he tossed it into the home section where there was clearly some, you know, as you do on occasion when the big, well, you know, traditional big clubs come to come, come to town. But you can see all these sort of Milan fans at sort of the Perspex screen, like, oh, no, we can't get to his shirt. So he just sort of tossed it to hmm. some chap in a white T-shirt within the Samp section, but it just tickled me that he kind of got all the way over there. And I think most of the other Milan players have gone towards the towards the dressing rooms. And, uh, yeah, he just, he just realised he couldn't toss his shirt into the crowd at all. It just made me chuckle. I was hoping that you were going to make the point that I wanted to make. But, of course, now you decided to talk about a completely different game. Cristiano taking his shirt off. It's the first game of the season away at Udinese. Come on. That is outrageous behaviour. Yes, but it might be his last game. So <laughs> I'm not having it. At Udinese, the most irrelevant club in Serie A. I'm not having it. It's... 
it's the behavior of a wrong but, and i'm not having you, a did you see the shirt they were wearing now i want to take it off as well because yeah, it's a monstrosity um, of a third shirt veto i honestly thought uh juve were trying to be brazil with that kit i mean with the whole uniform there it's like they want to be the Celestial, which I find rather ironic, considering that uh, they would never play anything like an old-school Brazilian football team. They're the antithesis of that. I can't imagine no, that they, they, would have been too pleased about it either. They play like Dungas, uh, Brazil, with like passwords. <laughs> Precisely. Very pedestrian Precisely. and physical, yeah. Spot on. Spot on. It brought the best out of Juan Cuadrado, though. But anyway, before we move on from Juve... We won't spend too much time on this because I'm quite aware of, of how long we've spent on Juve already. But do we give much weight, Kev, to the rumours that Cristiano might leave this summer? Because if he does leave, he has to go somewhere. And PSG is on Messi, so I don't see where he's going to go. No, I struggle to see where he'll go. Uh, I was talking with friends this evening and we were debating whether if uh, Tottenham dig their heels in for Harry Kane, whether he could be a cut price alternative for Manchester City just for a couple of seasons. Oh, because okay. I don't I don't think he'd do too bad. Obviously, there's the Manchester United connection there, which makes me think that it's impossible. Um, but if you throw enough money at something, sometimes uh, stranger <laughs> things have happened. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Anyway... Moving on to part three, enough Cristiano chat. We'll talk about Roma, Tabri, Tammy Abraham, him, and Jose Mourinho. Okay, we're back and we're going to the capital. And you, and I'm coming to you first because I've got some things to say. Roma beat Fiorentina 3 1 at the Stadio Olimpico. And as we said in our, our preview pods with Kev and I, they're fiery. Both teams had a player sent off, and it was it was a lot of fun. Tammy Abraham, on his debut, got two assists. And you and when he signed, you wrote a piece for us, and you did tell us that he was going to bring goals. And I was willing to give you a lot of credit for that and say, technically, they were assists and not goals. But then you wound me up a little bit today. So I'm going <laughs> to dig you out and say, you said that he wouldn't bring others into play. That's exactly what he did. What, what happened there? <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, what happened is that I was very wrong. I'm, I'm going to claim that 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 line wasn't one that I put too much thought into. I'm going to I'm going to claim that that's what happened rather than it being what I thought all along. But when when he at Chelsea, he was much more uh, um, on, on the shoulder of the last defender kind of striker and getting on the end of crosses. So he, I, th- I think it was to do with having he's not had players like Mkhitaryan around him who like Mkhitaryan gets right under the feet of the striker in front of him. And um, and clearly Abraham's adapted to that extremely quickly because that is exactly how they scored the first goal. You know, McTarran got right up there near him, and all he had to do was prod it through to him. Um, so that that's really exciting for Roma. In the first sort of fifteen minutes, when they said, I didn't realise till the game was happening, but when they said that he his isolation finished the day of the game, and then they chucked him in starting, he's not trained with anyone yet. He's just been on by himself. I, I kind of looked at him and thought, well, that's that's a bit rough, isn't it? And for the first sort of 13 or so minutes, whatever it was, I was looking at him thinking, he looks a little bit lost. He looks like a player who has spent quite a few days sat by himself in a room and suddenly he's playing with a load of new people. But And just as I was thinking it, they, they scored the first goal and suddenly he seemed to spark into life and, like I say, then set up another one and made me look daft in the process. Kev? 
How do you think like the other strikers feel though? Like this, this, this lads came in from another another championship, <laughs> straight out of isolation and straight into the first team. It's sort of I, I can't imagine a few of them on the bench will be too happy. But do you reckon Mourinho cares? <laughs> oh no, he won't. But, uh... <laughs> and, and also, obviously, it was a record transfer, so probably mm. justification a bit like Lukaku starting for Chelsea. But you know. but Kev, I will stick with with you and on Abraham. You and Ewan would probably... That was difficult to say. <laughs> uh, Ewan and you would probably have seen Abraham play more than Vito and I would have. Are you as confident as Ewan is that he's going to succeed? I don't I don't know, actually, if I did see uh, much of Abraham Great. because I only saw him in flashes when he had that sort of purple patch when he, when he sort of started under Lampard at Chelsea. Um, but from what he did there, you know, it's, it's, it's a equally... Uh, high level league, so so why not? Providing they give him the tools to do it, and he set. I think with English players going abroad because they do it so so infrequently, it's more about settling. And but we've seen in the past that uh, you know players that stay short term, uh, Joe Hart, Mika Richards, if they're willing to embrace you know Italy and the culture and everything, then they can do quite well. Kev, I'm going to take you to to task now, if you'll allow me. Because when Mourinho's appointment was announced back in, whenever it was, March, April, I was celebrating the fact that he was coming to Serie A and, and you didn't really seem to care all that much. He delivered fun in pre-season with, with red cards, mass brawls, the whole lot. That's continued into the start of the season. And now he has become the fastest manager in Serie A history to reach 50 wins in just 77 games. He also has that same record in the Premier League, doing it in 63 games, and in La Liga, where he did it in 62 games. So what's your problem with Mourinho, and how long is it going to take for him to win you over? Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, okay, if I'm going to be critical of Mourinho, maybe those records you've just sort of rolled off. He has he has done that with uh, 
significantly strong sides. You know, he's been he's been lucky to take over at Chelsea with the Abraham Abramovich money. Well, that was hard to say. Still um, didn't get it right. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. Abraham, no, yeah, yeah. Let's not bother. Um, with Roman's rubles. Um, and now, obviously, then, then Madrid, where there was, was, you know, it was that superior time when it was just Barca and Madrid brushing everybody aside, really. And then Inter on the back of the Calciopoli and, you know, them having very relatively little... Um, competition for the title so and he's also kind of in a in a small way done similar to what he's done at those clubs where he's been backed with money and you know Roma are the biggest spending uh, Italian club this year I think if you do that with Mourinho you will get results I think what we argued over of whether we could make Roma total challenges which I still don't see I think that's what he needs to win me over for to whether he'll make them total challenges. It is a, I think it is going to be an unpredictable and there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, horses in the race this season. Um, and, and he's always going to bring fun and, you know, controversy. Um, and it's a good start for Roma. They, they, they look like he is building a side almost in his own image or the image of those other clubs. But uh, I still don't think they'll have enough to be up there in the total race come let's say I reckon they'll be out of it by mid-March or not that's quite good if they're in the title race till mid-March well yeah that might be but uh, you were kind of praising that he would be up there I don't think I ever actually saw your final four predictions for the title but I I bet it didn't end up uh, ending with Roma at top no it's Juve Atalanta and then I fucked it to be perfectly honest with you I went for Juve Atalanta Napoli I put Milan in. I don't know why I put Milan in. I think I just did that to keep them off my back because I really do not think they will finish in the top four, but I've gone for it now, so I've got to stick with it. Um, realistically, I'd have all three of the other clubs, like Inter, Lazio and Roma, finishing above Milan this season, but it's out there. So both of these are out there now, so whichever, whichever side I get it from, I can point to the opposite. Anyway... Vito, we've got to talk about Fiorentina because someone pointed out that last week we didn't really, and it's my fault, but I mean, they're a mid-table club from previous seasons, so they're not that important, but they look quite good to to give credit to Vincenzo Italiano. He's taken over and they looked a better team in 90 minutes, most of which was played with 10 men than they have for about six years. <laughs> Well, that's that's pretty much true. They've lacked an identity on the pitch for the last few years. And already with Italiano, they look like they've got a clear game plan and style of play. And the sending off of Drongovski um, was detrimental. But even without him on the pitch, they still looked good with 10 men. They were still able to combine well find each other and try to attack Roma and uh, Rui Patricio kept uh, the Gialorossi in the game. Uh, I reckon Nico Gonzalez is going to be an absolute delight to watch in Serie A. So, um, although I watch a bit of the Bundesliga, I didn't watch a lot of Stuttgart, but uh, Gonzalez, he's got a lot of pace. He'll run at defenders and he's very composed on the ball too. He doesn't take heavy touches. So, I think um, once the players get more settled in, I think this Fiorentina side, uh, they'll definitely be an exciting team to watch. Whether they finish in the top half or be an outside chance for a, 
Europa League spot. That remains to be seen, but I think uh, for entertainment value, we'll get value for money with Italiano as coach. I think so too, and I'm reluctant to get excited about Fiorentina because I've I've had my hands burned too many times in the past. To be honest, they, they've signed players, Callihan being the most recent example, Bonaventura, um, Alfred Duncan, who have gone there, and I've thought, yeah, Fiorentina could be okay, but then there's just something in Florence that doesn't allow them to be okay. And Nico Gonzalez was probably the most chosen one to watch in our preseason predictions. I think three or four of the guys went for him. Um, so there's a bit of excitement there surrounding him and it will be interesting to see how he gets on and he's, he's Mourinho's best mate as he saw them having a little cuddle on the sideline the other evening which it w- was a bit confusing for me but there you go anyway part four we're going to go on to our patrons questions and then talk a little bit about the other games as well And we're back. Right. Okay. We'll start with, we've got two questions from our patrons. As we said at the top, patrons will have the ability to get questions sent into us for the podcast and they will get priority over other people on Twitter. So if you want to ask us a question, head over to our Patreon and do it through there because that is where we will see the questions. The first question as I'm trying to find it, but we had a ridiculous conversation on Slack. So now I no longer can came from a guy called David Newell and he asks, we kind of touched on it already, but you and I'll throw to you for this. Are Inter, no, actually I won't, because you and Kev were giving me the runaround on Slack and Vito's the only <laughs> one that treat me with respect. So Vito, you can answer this question. Are Inter being underestimated? They've arguably the best defense and midfield in Serie A and is not picking them for the top four, giving too much credit to Conte, Lukaku and Hakimi. Look, I won't give a straightforward yes, but Thank you. Uh, the thing with uh, with Inter is that they do have a superb backline. I mean, they've got still have Skriniar, De Vrij, and Bastoni, and uh, those players they were su- they were superb. Although they didn't have much to face, but they still played well with what was there. That midfield, I mean, the way things are going with Brozovic, Chalonoglu, and uh, Barella, I still expect them to do well. Uh, I do think that with Conte, they did build a team specifically for his methods and Lukaku was the key to that. Hakimi was fundamental too. But even with what Inzaghi's got, they still did did pretty well. Um, I think it was more just the replacements that might be underwhelming. I mean, Dumfries played well at the Euros, don't get me wrong, and I was impressed with him. But um, we'll have to... We'll have to wait and see how he integrates into this team. And then, of course, Jekka, as well as he did play against the Grifone, he is uh, 35. And uh, Ewan touched earlier that uh, Jekka is not going to be lasting so long during the season because of his age. So I think uh, the probably the reasons why you know Inter might not be as well fancied as they would be previously. And... Uh, then there's also the issue with the Zhang family and the Suning group, just uh, what money they can still put in or uh, Inter's debts worse because uh, we see what we see on the pitch, but we don't know too much what happens behind the scenes, um, what's going on in the locker room, uh, what the board's doing to sort of 
you know, make sure the club's finances are in good shape and if they're playing the pay players adequately and on time. So I think it's more those um, external factors that are concerning or what happens off the pitch that might be more of a concern than uh, what we see on the pitch. I think what we see on the pitch, probably that's where maybe the concerns are a bit exaggerated. But uh, off the field stuff, um, that's where more of the worries happen. If we get more reports that Sooning can't, uh, you know, put more into the club or there are more debts being racked up, things like that, then we'll see how Inzaghi can manage the locker room there and make sure that uh, players are still focused on their football. Perfect. There you go, David. Hope that answers your question. I did put it to the guys earlier on and the answer from Kev was yes and the answer from Ewan was I'm with you there David next so there you go Vito <laughs> thank you very much for for being a nice pleasant person the second patron question comes in from Ollie Hudson Kev I'll go to you for this one and then you and you can contribute something as well I've got two answers um two very different answers as well Ollie wants to know Kev after last week's kit discussion I was wondering, which manager do you think is the best dressed in Serie A? Yeah, so I was thinking about this because I don't pay too much attention to what coaches are wearing. And I think it's difficult this time of year because I then sat and watched Cagliari Spezia. And I really like I really like in this kind of weather, maintaining the sort of trousers or the chinos, but wearing a polo shirt, Tiago Motta. Look very smart okay. and a, you know very nicely fitting polo shirt, okay. but I'm a sort of a, a stickler for a, a good suit, but you know not a suit where you can see kind of the buttons, the holes between the buttons that are popping because they're just wearing a shirt far too small for them. So Simone, Simone Inzaghi mm-hmm. um, really wears a suit quite nicely, but I, I draw the line at polo shirt, uh, not polo shirts, turtlenecks. Oh no, P- see, P- you're P- wrong. P- only in a turtleneck. I, no. I'm, I'm, I, I can't stand a, a turtleneck this wearing where them wrong. or watching people in them. No, right, this is where you're wrong because you don't live in Italy, so I'm going to provide the Italian perspective on it. Stefano Pioli is the best dress coach in Serie A. Um, undoubted. It's undoubted. Um, more so when he was at Fiorentina because of the colours. But even today, he looked good. He wears a, a looser, more casual white shirt in the hot weather, which I quite like. And also, just for the fact that he's completely true to himself and there's no pretenses about him, Maurizio Sarri, he just wears whatever the f- he wants to wear and he doesn't care what anyone thinks. And I have a lot of time for that. Ewan, what's your answer? Well, I, I mean, Kev's boat here where this is not something that I've thought about before. But um, but I think Sinisa Mihalovic is worth a mention for his funky hats. Um, they're, 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 they're quite... I, say, I wouldn't go as far as say I like them. You know, you wouldn't catch me in one, but I respect him for wearing them. Um, someone who definitely doesn't win. He's got based, good shoes too. Yeah, that's true. Um, but someone who definitely doesn't win based on um, yesterday's Mourinho. That white polo shirt, yeah, didn't suit him at all. It just sort of hung a bit weird. I don't know what was wrong with it. But um, the other guy is Allegri, I think, has a sort of Bond villain thing going on that is quite fitting with where he is and how good he is as well. So I actually don't like any of what they wear, but I think they're they're worthy of note. <laughs> so the question, was, the question was, who's the best dressed? And you just named the load of coaches that you don't think dress particularly well. Okay. okay. <laughs> but I respect them. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll go to you. I'll go Thiago Motta for who's my best dressed anyway, just no, based on this evenings. But there's there's two go like no nos that are outside of Italy, but 
I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember sort of Javier Clemente man, uh, managing the Spanish national side at a World Cup, probably 2002, where yeah. he was wearing a shirt with just a huge armpit, like yeah. sweat stains. Oh. And there's also, in more current times, you've got George George Sampaoli at Marseille. Who's, just trying to who fight seems, everybody. And he wears, he, wears, <laughs> he wears a polo shirt that's one size too small and he looks like every sort of 55-year-old man I see coming out of the gym changing rooms that wants like you to know turtle, that he goes to the gym every night. <laughs> yeah and that they're not they're not looks i think <laughs> anybody should be should be uh patrolling down the touch lines visa uh, speaking of spain um javier clemente did coach spain but that was at uh usa 94 and france 98 uh the coach kev's talking about is actually jose antonio camacho but Ali. i still i still agree with the sentiment i mean that man really needed to be in a deodorant ad. I mean, that was so embarrassing to have those shirts and have the world see your armpits sweating and all that. Oh, very unprofessional. So I'm going to jump to um, his defense here, guys. I live in a, an incredibly humid part of the world, as was the location of the 2002 World Cup. You can't help it. You could you could take a bath in deodorant and you walk outside and it just happens sometimes. <laughs> I'm gonna leave to wear a white shirt. It's probably a white shirt, out. not a dark blue shirt. Or a, yeah, he had a light <laughs> blue shirt with dark, dark blue pits. Mate, I promise you, I'll wear a white shirt tomorrow and I'll send you a photo. Doesn't doesn't help <laughs> when it's when it's humid. Please don't. There is no solution. <laughs> I don't. I'm pitching. I'm pitching Connor walking like through the fountains of uh, Palmer in a white shirt. Look, sort of there's, there's a reason you won't in. see me outdoors in Palmer between like twelve and six. We'll leave it there. Anyway. Quick fire, go through the rest of the Serie A results. Ewan, Brahim Diaz scored in the ninth minute. Milan beat Sampdoria 1-0 to start the Serie A season. You covered it for us. Tell us about it in a minute. <laughs> it, it promised to have a million goals, by the way, the first half went. The whole half felt like the last five minutes of a game. Um, like Both teams just sort of gave up on defending. It was just a bit like, right, you have a go, we'll have a go, sort of thing. And... Um, and, you know, Milan obviously were on top, but Sam were definitely dangerous and they, they look a bit more exciting than they did last year. But then it just sort of fizzled out into a bit of nothing. Milan sort of felt that they've got the game won. Sam carried on trying, but not as much as they were in the first half and everyone kind of packed up and went home. Fair enough. Nice and concise. Thank you very much. Next, you and I think it's you again, isn't it? Yeah, Torino-Atalanta. Roberto Piccoli scored a late, late, late and lucky winner for Atalanta, um, who were fortunate to leave Torino with all three points. Yeah, that was a stupid goal. Wasn't it? The, 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 the way it happened was just no, nothing about that goal should have happened. The entire world stood still. And, and then he just sort of poked it away at an angle that looked like it shouldn't have gone in. I think that was a good example of the better feeling of fans being back because those celebrations at the end were infinitely better with even just a handful of people behind that goal than if there'd been no one there. Yeah. It would have been a bit of a dull moment otherwise. The fact that it was Piccoli as well, who's obviously Atalanta yeah. born and bred in, in Bergamo, came through the club and he probably won't spend this season with the club, but he, he's there for now. So to get that that moment was, was fantastic. Vito, on to you. Empoli Lazio Sarri's first game in charge of Lazio. He went back to the Stadio Carlo Castellani. Empoli looked okay, but Lazio just had a little bit too much. 
they had the greater individual quality, and I think that's what ultimately made the difference. Both teams went out there to play football. Lazio were the much better side in the first half, and with the players they had on show, having Felipe Anderson back, then, of course, Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Emmanuel Lazzari, I thought, uh, yeah, they really showed that uh, they had the finishing touch and uh, there is uh, more than enough quality there. That being said, Empoli did put in a good effort in the second half. Crow caught a few chances, but I think um, the fact that, uh, you know, they're a team that just got promoted from Serie B, mm-hmm. they just really lacked that finishing touch against Lazio. They also showed that Lazio, they can be breached at this stage. And I think Luis Felipe was one of the bright spots in defence. Acerbi looked rather shaky. Hmm. They, Empoli, crucially, do not have Chicha Caputo for this Serie A season either, so they might struggle to stick to ball in the net as much as they did last time. Kev, Napoli, Venezia, another promoted team. Napoli had 10 men when Ozzyman got sent off for a slap early enough in the game. But it was harder than they might have expected it to be. But Luciano Spalletti is off to a winning start as well. Yeah, I think three points is all they'll be concerned with. It was difficult after going down to ten. I think you've got you've got the heat in Naples, even with it being a, an evening kickoff. The players still getting up to sort of full, if you like, match fitness, and probably the fact that Venezia coming back uh, to Syria, uh, you know, were probably completely sort of up for that game and. And, and we're willing, sort of willing to sort of dig in and and try and get something out of it. So I don't think they'll be they'll be too concerned with the performance and just expect them to get up and running. Probably the other side of the international break that's coming up. I'm glad you mentioned the heat because it was I was in Naples last week and it was about thirty degrees at nine o'clock at night. So that is definitely a factor. Vito Bologna Salernitana um three two to Bologna and it was. Drama filled. Salernitana were winning 2-1 at one point. And based off of this <laughs> and Bologna's Coppa Italia game against Ternana, the Russell Blue under Mihailovic are going to be a lot of fun this season. Well, they've been involved in some dramatic games already. Uh, the first half, admittedly, for this game was quite dour. Just a lot of meaningless possession, not many clear-cut chances. But the second half was really a dramatic one. I mean, you know, with Salernitana taking the lead through a Bonazzoli penalty... Uh, uh, De Silvestre equalising and uh, there were the two red cards Strandberg for Salernitana um, Soriano for Bologna as well and uh, uh, Shulton Shulton, he got uh, red cut as well so Bologna Danton on but yeah, um, the game in general I thought was exciting in the second half as I said pardon me Uh, Mamadou Koulibaly, he looks like an exciting prospect. It was a lovely goal that he scored to put Salone in the tunnel 2-1 up. And yeah, Del Silvestri being the unlikely hero with two goals. And Arnautovic, I thought he had a good debut, scored the second goal, led the line quite well. So yeah, some good features in that game. Quick question for you. Um, Bonazzoli. I was I was on holidays in Calabria last week and I saw him play for Salernitana and I was so impressed. Um was he? Did he always show promising signs like this, or is he just found himself a home in in Salerno? He said he's had those flashes, but where I think he'll be fortunate in Salerno is that he should be able to get that continuity. I think if he stays fit, I reckon he'll be an excellent striker for Salernitana. He had a good spell at Samp at the back end of the 2019-20 season and scored some lovely goals. But if mm. he can bring that finishing touch, you know, 
not just having the quality finishes, but having that quantity too, uh, Salernitana might have a hope of survival. Salernitana and Se- or not Salernitana, that's the club. Bonasoli and Semi up front could be a lot of fun this season. Um, Ewan, Verona, Sassuolo, finished 3-2 to Sassuolo. I was convinced that it finished 3-1, but life after the Zerbi continues with the win under Dionysi. They got Raspadori off to a, a flying start. Juricic and Hamitraore also scoring there, but nice to see Sassuolo up and running. Yeah, I think everyone can get behind them continuing to do well, especially after a manager change. They've got so many likeable players and it's such a likeable squad. Um, Raspadori in particular, the, the touch for his goal, I just thought was incredible. That that was such an intelligent piece of play that to me stinks of a player that will go very, very, very far. He kind of had a breakout year last year, but um, he could have a, a, an even bigger one this time. And all three goals were just really lovely. There's There's lots of players who can score really, really, really good goals in that squad. Uh, as fantastic as Sassuolo were, and uh, I agree with you in sentiments, thought that with LS Verona, I did take them for relegation, but uh, I think considering that uh, they did go down to 10 men before halftime, I think they still had a good crack, and Matias Zaccagni, I thought he was absolutely superb. Uh, I think he, if Verona do prove me wrong and survive, I think he'll make a big difference because he's really delightful to watch and he probably should have scored more than the two goals. Um, another thing I'll say, Nikola Kalinic, still garbage. Makes me wonder how he managed to score all those goals at Fiorentina. Seriously. <laughs> no, you're dead right. He, he, he was rubbish then and he's been rubbish ever since. Um, just want to point out, I, I picked uh, Giacomo Raspadori as my player to watch this season, so I'm delighted. Not like all, all of the other snakes on the website picked players playing for like the top five. He's mad. That doesn't count. Not having it. <laughs> Raspadori. Anyway, the other game was also a bit mad. Spezia went away to Cagliari. They went 2 0 up and they drew 2 2 because that's just what happens in Serie A this season. It's hard to predict. Anyway, guys, we're not quite finished yet. It's a bit of a mess because it's three of you, but we've got the game. And how we're going to work this is, Vito, you are the, the reigning champion, okay? So you are in waiting. The other two are going to play a round of the game for the right to play against you. So <laughs> you and, and Kev, you are playing the game first up. So it's quite simple, Kev. What? What? How? Have you got a question so, already? You've played this game more than anyone, and you've got a question. What do you want? So if I lose this, I won't have to play it next week. And then if I keep losing this, I won't no. have to ever play it again. No. Well, you're <laughs> I said that. You and Ewan, no. you and Ewan are going against each other now. Okay. And no. the winner or the loser, I've not decided yet, of your game with Ewan faces. Veto. If I think you've oh, lost on purpose, if I think you've no, lost that's... on purpose, you're facing Veto. So, anyway, it's an easy one as well in terms of geographical regions and the whole lot. So, Kev, you shouldn't really lose this. Ewan, um, do you know the rules? I believe I remember it. It's the, the normal guessing game, isn't it? Of you say a team. Yeah, yeah. And we ask you questions. ask questions with a yes or no answer and. Oh, no. No, no. I, I, I can't anyway. through that. <laughs> <laughs> right. What we'll do, it's a yes or no answers. If 
you've to discover the identity of a mystery Serie A player by answering questions which have the answer yes or no. If the answer to your question is yes, you continue to ask questions until you discover his identity. If the answer is no, the other person gets a go. Um, Kev, you can go first. Okay. <laughs> I'm not too happy uh, about it. Yeah. So uh, you're not doing a timer, or so kind of, I was kind of waiting for you to tell me you've got your timer. No, going, I can't be honest. To... Go. Okay, so uh, do they play in northern Italy? They do play in northern Italy. Yes. Do they play in Milan? Yes, they do play in Milan, the city. <laughs> do they play for Inter? No, they do not play for Inter. You and it's over to you. Are they a midfielder? They're not a midfielder, Kev. It's back to you. Are they a striker? Yes, they are a striker. And they play for the team in Milan that's not Inter. Who's the team, uh, Kev? It, uh, uh, sorry? Which team do they play for? They play for Milan. <laughs> yes, they do. Okay, good. And just... Uh, I'm just going to throw Olivier Giroud out there. No, it's not Olivier Giroud. You and it's Is it Ante Rebic? It's not Ante Rebic. No, Kev, your turn. Uh, I'm going to go against my gut and say Rafael Leal. Oh, he's won it. It's Rafael Leal. Oh, it is Rafael Leal. You and I'm very sorry. It's, it's, <laughs> it's always my, hard my, on your my, debut. My gut always... was saying, go go Diaz, he scored tonight. And I'm like, no, it's not going to be that obvious. So no, it's I, not uh... going to be that obvious. Um, it was originally oh, supposed yeah. to be Bonazzoli, but then Vito mentioned Bonazzoli, so I had to quickly change <laughs> um, to, to Rafael Leao, who Salamakers said in midweek, he thinks he can win the Ballon d'Or. There you go. So, you and I'm sorry, but you're just going to have to sit back and watch two, two masters at work now. Oh, uh, it's Kev against shit. Vito. This I'll is where the timer it. comes into it. You have two minutes. <laughs> two minutes on the clock. Kev, you can start. Go. Do they play in Northern Italy? No, they do not play in Northern Italy, Vito. Do they play for one of the clubs based in Rome? They do not play in the capital, no. Do they play in Naples? Yes, they do play in Naples. I thought we are might have a question about Campania this season because Salernitana are up. Um, ah, what question did you just ask? Midfielder, are they midfielder? Kind of. You can continue. So, an, an attacker. I didn't say that. Okay. No, but okay. Uh, are they Italian? <laughs> nope. Vito. Here he comes. Is Here's it Herving Lozano? No, it's not. It's not Chucky. Back to you, Kev. Uh, oh, I'm thinking of someone. Is it? No, they're not Italian, are they? No, they're they not. They are Italian. Italian, aren't they? They're not Italian. They're not Italian. Oh, bugger, 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 bugger. Oh, I'm gonna have to push you. you. Five. Uh, Fabian Ruiz. Oh, no, just for a name. Vito, back to you. Is it um, Elmas? No, it's not Elmas. Get back to you. Come on. Oh no. Is he uh, still there? Get still there. No, I mean the player. Sorry, yeah, no, he's still there. <laughs> no, I, yeah, okay, I, no, I'm thinking Zielinski, but he's not wearing the. Yeah, well, just say Zielinski. No, just Zielinski for, for. Okay, so you said he, he's a midfielder. I'll just Ish. clarify that. 
you'd feel the ish. Oh, that makes it hard. And if it's not silly, who on earth could it be? 20 seconds, I'm, I'm going to have to push you for an answer. Uh, I'm going to go. Oh, God. No, no, no. I'm going to have to throw no. it back to Kev. You've taken too long. Oh, God. I don't even know if I know. Oh, now. my um, God. Like, uh, five, Dries four, Mertens? three. <laughs> no. Oh, well, yeah. Dries, oh. <laughs> Your time's no, up. I would cast him as a striker, Your actually. Time's up. Your time's yeah, up. Yeah, that's time's true. Up. Yeah, Mertens will be a striker. It's Adam Unas. Oh. Oh. Adam Unas. Oh, yeah, yeah believe it or not. Where was he so last year? He's still there. <laughs> there were three of you, and I get the point. <laughs> well, I, I take the moral victory. Do you know what, though, Kev? I'm going to give you a point because you did win a, a qualification game, and by the end of the season, it's not going to matter anyway, so you can have a point. Okay? No, <laughs> it really isn't. <laughs> okay, <laughs> guys, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching, if that's how you've chosen to past the time that this podcast has taken to record um like i said at the top and during the show get in touch on patreon patreon.com forward slash forza italian football podcast sign up ask us your questions get a lot of bonus premium content and you might be able to have a one-on-one chat with kev at some point in the future i'm sure that's everybody's dream kev say goodbye (laughs) goodbye everybody you and say goodbye Goodbye. Vito, say goodbye. Goodbye. I don't like when there's three of you. It's goodbye from me. We'll speak <laughs> to you again next week. Bye-bye. Lo sai per un gol Yo darei la vita La mia vita In fondo lo so Farà una partita Infinita Un sogno che ho, è un coro che sale a sognare su giù dalla notte, 90 minuti per segnare per azzurri, noi saremo qui nel azzurri, pazzi come te nel azzurri, non fateci soffrire.
deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.